welcome back to Raging Nerds, episode 15, where we'll rage all over your eardrums. This is Thirsty. And this is your 8-bit master, John. 8-bit master. I love how he gives himself like a different title each uh, each episode. Last year, what was it, digital or what is it, master of electronics or something from automating your house? <laughs> yes, and I'm running into problems with that right now. <laughs> I bought the wrong plugs. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to, like, fully automate your house on a low-key budget. <laughs> hey, you know, balling on a budget. Uh, but, hey, guys, welcome back. Uh, this episode is a pure nerd noggin episode, so we're not following our usual format. This is just a nerd noggin episode where we talk about our convention we went to last weekend. Oh, yeah! Yeah! So, guys, we went to Classic Game Fest in case you forgot about all the promotion we've been doing for them. <laughs> it was awesome. We stayed in Austin. Um, it was a two-day con. It was Saturday and Sunday, so super sweet, super cash. Uh, I stayed at the airport, the Holiday Inn Airport Hotel, which was amazing. I totally recommend going there. John, John stayed at... I was at the wonderful Embassy Suites by Hilton that was three blocks away from the convention center. Good hotel, tasty breakfast. Though I would say this, though, their pillows suck. <laughs> Bring your own. John told me, like, he didn't sleep on the bed. He slept on the couch, right? No, no, I, I slept on the bed, but I had, like, like beat the hell out of these pillows. And finally, I just took a blanket and curled it up and made a made a pillow out of it. Jeez. Now, I loved, I loved the bed. Where we, I was surprisingly very soft. Usually, hotel or motels, their mattresses are extremely hard and uncomfortable. But I passed the fuck out. It was beautiful. I love my hotel room. But John, John had a pretty sweet setup. He had uh, his room, and then he had like a living room area. So his his area was pretty sweet up. Hey, from all the points saved up from staying at Comic Palooza and going to other cons, paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> but Austin, Austin was amazing. Um, besides the con, we went to a bunch of cool locations. We went to some comic book shops. We went to Guzu Gallery, uh, Amy's Ice Cream, a bunch, a bunch of cool locations. We went to. Um, De Secreto de la Abuela or something like that. It's like the secret of the grandma in Spanish, and it was pretty legit Mexican food. Yeah, then afterwards I kidnapped you all and took you to 6th Street. <laughs> yes, okay, so we went to 6th Street. <laughs> it is so loud. Okay, like, I understand, like, loud, you're whatever, I wanted a party, but it's like... It's obnoxiously loud where it's like blasting into your eardrums and it took forever just to find a place that was like chill and you could like just get some drinks and whatnot. And then we're like, okay, we're going to go back and then just like watch Netflix and get drunk. <laughs> yes. And I brought my modified fire stick. It was great. Yes. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> Let's get back into the throw of things. So next weekend, we are going to LeakyCon in Dallas. I swear, guys, it's like... Every other weekend, we're in a convention. So this is uh, August 10th to the 12th. I'm really excited about it. I uh, got a, a Marauder Pass for it. So I'm going to be all up in this bitch. I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. Just, you know that they had so many people. They sold out of tickets in Dallas the first day, like within hours. They had to get another convention center so that they could sell more passes. And then when they got a new convention center, they sold out of passes the same day again. 
Wow. Yes. And because of the high demand of Dallas, they're actually doing two leaky cons next year, one in Boston and one in Dallas again. They're traveling um, international worldwide convention. Uh, last year they were in Dublin, Ireland. And it's crazy that they're going to have uh, another con in Dallas next year. Well, holy crap. I know. Dallas is starting to compete with Houston. <laughs> it it honestly is. But guys, you know, they're doing tickets right now for day pass. It's about 69 bucks For a weekend pass, it's $149, $169. And for Marauder's Pass, it's about $349. But you get a lot of stuff with that Marauder's Pass. So I definitely, definitely recommend getting that. So, John, let's get into what is going on at that convention. Ooh, yes. <laughs> so they had a lot of cool old school PC games, man. Oh, I was in my era. <laughs> All those computers like came out when you were what a child, right? Yes, probably when I was in middle school. <laughs> That's horrible. And a, li- and a little earlier, a couple oh of them I saw gosh. back from whenever I was in elementary, and yeah, one of my friends actually, well. They had money, so they have they have an Apple too. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. It's just like you know, I, we John and I both grew up fairly um, not poor, but from a moderate upbringing. <laughs> if you want to put it in layman's terms, we're uh, middle class Batman. Yes, <laughs> uh, and so. You know, it's always awesome to have those friends, which parents buy them everything, and then you're like, what the fuck? Like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go to my friend's house and chill there. They have everything. I have nothing in my house. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they had amazing... I, I did not expect all the different PCs to be there. I know they were going to have a game museum. I knew they were going to have different um, systems and everything like that, but the amount of different PCs was amazing. Oh, I know. Especially when we have them all networked together and they're playing Duke Nukem 3D. Yes! Okay, so I stroll up onto this dude, right? I was like, oh my god, they have PC gaming going on. And I'm like, whoa, these are like the old school PCs, um, Macintosh. I mean, they, they had stuff before Apple. They had Macintoshes. I was like, what? Stuff I've never seen before. Stuff that's pre-1990, which was I was born, right? Uh, so they had this dude and he was playing Doom and... I have vivid memories as a child, probably my earliest memories of watching my brother play Doom on our family PC. We had one PC when we were growing up, and we got it later on um, just because my mom and dad, my dad had his own business, and so he had to get a computer. And uh, it was an old one. I think it was like um, a used one for my mom's old job or something. (laughs) Hey, it's still a computer. Yeah, when that the company was throwing out, and my brother, he got Doom for it, and I thought it was just the coolest thing I have ever seen. Mmm. Still miss those old computers. They made those things run on almost nothing. I know, <laughs> no, I mean, I do miss them. I, I mean... Nothing beats, like, the hum of an old computer, like, the boot up, the everything. It's very nostalgic. I bet there's people that still run on them. Uh, but the other thing, other than Doom, there was Quake, which was amazing. I, I even forgot. I was like, what? I haven't seen that forever. Uh, they had Oregon Trail. They had so many classic PC games just running around, and it was amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. They had, like, old... There's another computer, like, two computers there that were running an old text-based game which had like crude crude graphics on it mm-hmm. where you had like okay explore cave go north tur- turn left and that's how you had to control the game i miss those old ones 
I do too. They had because they had an Oregon Trail, which pretty much was kind of like that. They had another one, which was almost like a D and D style one, correct? Yes. That's what I forget the name of, it, but I know what you're talking about. It, it was amazing. I love seeing the PCs. Um, other than that, we had vendors. <sighs> vendors are amazing this year. So this con. Um, this is the first time that I've been to Classic Game Fest. This is the second time you've been to Classic Game Fest, right? Yes, this time I was actually not a volunteer. Right. So <laughs> I was I was really surprised about all the vendors. I mean, of course, they're going to have some good ones. But the vendors there were totally amazing. There's some stuff that I've only seen online. I didn't even know they were traveling in Texas. John picked up some really good stuff from these vendors. So the first one is Hannah Cole. She makes these really adorable, cute claymation animals. Uh, they range from $20 to $40, depending on what they want. Super, super, super adorable little claymation animals. Uh, we also have Wonder Weird, which is almost like a mandala of Mario, other video games, and it's like there's a circle, and then it like it's inside of itself. It's really cute. We posted pictures online on our website. Um, we have Sprinkle Bat, which they sell stickers, and it's the ones with the big old chibi eyes. Oh, yeah. I yes, those. they those have little glitter stickers. I love it. I love it. Uh, effing decaf, which is where you bought your picture frames. Yes. Yes, effing decaf is amazing. They have a website. Uh, he also makes comics. Uh, his art is he gets picture frames and he inserts the pictures um, of like old games, uh, his art, uh, stuff that he created. And then he also makes his own art where he makes paintings, he makes signs. Um, I really loved his Yoshi, uh, you touch touch the fuzzy, you get dizzy sign. I was really <laughs> hesitant on buying that one. I really love me some Yoshi. Uh, we have the pixel art paintings. Now this guy was amazing. His talent was, I've never seen something this great. He hand drew everything, like everything that was on the canvas, he did by hand. And I mean, just imagine the pixels, the preciseness of the paint going in these colorized patterns. It's amazing. And, and of course, the the price of the objects were, were to go along with that. I think the cheapest thing I saw was like 40 bucks for like a little two by two painting. Uh, and then it escalated up, 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 up. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I guess all of those would be considered originals because can't really make a print of those. <laughs> no, true. This is all all hand painted, no prints. I mean, it, it was beautiful stuff. Uh, and then the last vendor that I absolutely loved was Pixelized Princess. Now, her stuff was amazing. I remember walking into the convention site and I saw someone with this very, very long art frame. Um, I want to probably say like it's in like eight width and then length it's 20 inches or something like that. It's like a, almost like a wall scroll, but it was canvas and it had a nice um, forest scene in the background. And then right on top of that, it had Chrono from Chrono Trigger falling down off of it. And it was it was amazing. And I was like, oh, my God, we have to go find this person who's making these. Right. Because I've seen her stuff online and I did not even know that she was traveling in Texas where she was from. And I'm like, I have to go see her. 
I met her. Her stuff is amazing. She goes to uh, yard sales, um, anywhere she can get her hands on these old paintings, and then she puts her art on top of it to make it look like it's a video game scenic event. Uh, yeah, I do remember this. Those things were very stunning. They were wish, they were adorable. Kind of wish I had you know wall space to to get some of those. For real, I mean these. Some of these pictures were massive. Uh, she also sold her eight uh, bit art. Um, it's not necessarily perler art. Um, I don't know how else to describe it except for like eight bit art. Yeah. And they stood up by themselves. They were on stands. Uh, they were uh, nothing like I've ever seen before. They're adorable. And fairly durable, if I remember. Oh Those yeah, are- they're like hard plastic. I have no idea how she makes them. I don't know what they're made out of. I- I've never seen them before, but they were super cute. Each one of them was like $10, so definitely recommend looking her up. I know I am right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you know what? That leads into our interviews. Um, So the first interview that we have is from the Pixelated Princess. Hey, guys. This is Thirsty with Raging Nerds, and I'm joined by... Carmen. Awesome, Miss Carmen. Tell me more about your shop. Well, um, we're actually the Pixelized Princess, and we just love to do retro video games. That's kind of our passion. We grew up playing Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and we just like to kind of bring it to life. So we do um, all sorts of retro video game characters, um, and then we also buy paintings like at thrift stores, and we kind of make the video games come to life. So we'll add like a Mario scene or a Chrono Trigger scene just to kind of bring it to real life. Awesome. So what sets your perler art away from the other vendors? Um, I think the paintings for sure um, are something that everybody really loves and is a little bit more unique um, because every piece we do is one of a kind. So you never know what you're going to find when you come to our booth. Um, And then the other thing is all of our sprites we do on stands. So we try to really bring an aspect of the game. So on Mario, he might be with a mushroom or different power-ups or just different things that kind of make that game unique. We try to really um, make it a part of the sprite. Awesome. Where did your inspiration come to start this? Um, Actually, so, you know, obviously we started as fans. We just like to go to cons. So um, we actually went to Classic Game Fest, same convention, um, I think five years ago, just as fans there. And I had never played with them as kids, like unlike everybody else in the world. Um, but was like, that is really fun, like, and really cool, and something that I'd really like to get into. So it was somebody, I saw somebody else's art first and just got inspired by it. So where can people find your art, purchase it, and look at more, and maybe even get commissions? Everything is the Pixelized Princess. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Etsy, um, everything under that name. Just Google it, and, and we are there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Amazing stuff. I love her items. Uh, Check her out online. Uh, We have the link up on our Facebook. Okay, so check her out. Amazing, amazing stuff. The next one, John actually did an interview with this guy. Oh, yes. It was fun. (laughs) And like the last convention, he uh, he drummed up some courage, not from the liquid. (laughs) No, I was actually fairly sober this week. Yes, yes. And so, you know, very proud of him. He got some very good interviews. So this interview is from GCHD, which is the GameCube HD adapter company. Uh, Let's hear that clip. Hey, this is John with Raging Nerds. I'm here at the Aeon booth, which is everything or nothing, and they have a wonderful new device that 
Uh, our friend here, Justin, wants to tell us about. Hey, how's it going, man? Happy to talk about it. Yeah, so we're here with the GCHD. It is the uh, plug-and-play adapter for the original GameCube. You basically plug it into your original hardware, and you get a true 480p signal over HDMI with no lag. Oh, that is awesome. I've been looking at some of the demos here and seeing all the, the enhancements that it does. Can you tell our listeners a little more about, about how it how it works? Yeah, for sure. So what the GCHD is doing is it's tapping into the digital AV port on the back of the system, which previously could only be used with the original Nintendo component cables, but they're really rare and they're really expensive now. So we wanted to find a way to tap into what the GameCube was capable of and make it available to everybody. So we worked with some of our manufacturers, we custom printed our own boards, and we made this device and made it available to everybody. You can get it on Amazon, and basically once you plug it in, you are getting the best quality possible out of your GameCube, and it's all plug and play. No mods, no nothing required, you literally just plug it in and it works. Oh, nice, that is very nice. Uh, is there any other systems that you're going to be having this on as well? Or So we're definitely thinking about moving into other systems. I can't reveal anything just yet, okay. but I could definitely say if you keep an eye on us over the next few months, you should see some pretty cool announcements. Awesome. Um, any place, like, a website that we let's just go to and look up all the stuff and possibly purchase from? Yeah, for sure. So we're on Amazon if you just search GCHD. And then if you want to see some more reviews, we have a whole bunch of uh, video ones up on YouTube. Again, just search GCHD and have a peek at any of them. Well, well, thank you very much for all this, and hopefully our listeners will be buying a lot of them from you. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Yeah, the GameCube adapter, or also known as the GCHD, is a no-mods-required HDMI converter that allows real GameCube hardware to produce the highest native resolution possible on any HDTV while eliminating all input lag. Awesome! <laughs> Simply plug the GCHD into a compatible GameCube console, attach the HDMI cable, and enjoy true 640 by 480 progressive scan video. And just watching these things, oh my god, it was awesome. See, seeing how the game should be. These resolutions have previously been locked behind rare and expensive GameCube component com cables, but no more. GCHD is simple, reliable, and affordable solution for getting the best experience possible using real GameCube hardware. And yes, Amazon has it for $149.99. <laughs> Get it. You need it. <laughs> They're only selling on Amazon at the moment, uh, but it's $149.99. It does seem a little expensive for a GameCube that you can get for under $150. Uh, but no, I mean, you guys do not understand. You have to see it. The graphics is 10 times better. I mean, it is amazing how this adapter has changed how this game looks. Oh, yes. The, the demo videos they had there, like, here it is regular, and then also you see the, sweep, the colors are changed instantly to how it is, how it is yes. with the adapter. It's like, oh, that's pretty. Yes. <laughs> and they, they had whole rows of game setups where you could test out this adapter, and they were having tournaments using the GameCubes. And it, it was amazing. Um all the people at GCHD, they're amazing. They're sweet. Uh, they gave us time to do the interview. So definitely look into it. Um, I have a GameCube. I even told my boyfriend, I'm like, dude, I just bought a GameCube. I bought the GameCube with the screen adapter, with the Game Boy Advance adapter. I'm about to buy this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm about to play this thing up. Uh, but after that, you also got Errata Online. Yes, I did. Okay. Oh. It was a walk back during memory lane on this one. Let's play that interview. Hey, this 
This is John from Raging Nerds. I'm joined here with Jeff from Irana Online, and he's got some interesting things here in his booth. That mind uh, telling our listeners all about it? Sure. We've got an Atari connected to the internet, and it's connected to the Irana Online server. And the Irana Online server is uh, a Plato-based server. Uh, Plato was a, an online service that started in the '60s at the University of Illinois. Um, and it ran on CDC mainframes, the last of which shut down in the early 2000s. And people have taken those backup tapes and loaded them into emulators and put them online. And Arata Online is one such instance that is focused on uh, older hardware, getting older hardware online, uh, joining a community and playing games with people and having fun. I know she had an Atari 800XL here with, I'm not even sure what this box is that's hooked up to it Atari as well. Uh, that's an Atari 850. That is the uh, Atari serial interface. Okay. And looks like you got uh, hooked up to a Raspberry Pi in a very peculiar way that most people have never seen before. Right. So the, the Atari 850 has a non-standard pinout. Uh, so um, I had to rearrange some of the wires. And uh, then it's connected to the serial port of the Raspberry Pi. And the Raspberry Pi is acting as a modem. Uh, on the serial side, it responds to AT commands just like a modem would, but instead of dialing out to the phone line, it uh, connects to URLs. Yeah, I, know the, probably, I know you have a website that you know, the listeners can actually check all this stuff out on and maybe post questions on like a message board or anything like that? Uh, sure. The website is www.irata.online, and uh, there you can download the P-Term uh, program for Windows, Mac, and Linux, and uh, log in. There's a guest login you can use to look around and uh, post on the message boards. Cool. Well, uh, we'll be checking all this out whenever we get back to Houston, and hopefully a lot of our listeners will be checking all this as well. Thank you. Iran Online is provided for the benefit of retro computing users to have a place to socialize and develop interesting multi-user interactive and graphical games and social applications. It descends from the historical Play-Doh system, a massive time-sharing system that lasted from 1962 until NovaNet was closed in 2015. And the way they demonstrated this, they had, I believe it was an Atari 800 hooked up with their... With the Atari serial modem, oh, which wow. then they had that thing hooked up to an adapter, so it went from 9-pin to the 26-pin adapter, and the pins were in the right, were right, but in the wrong order, so they had to redo the pins so it's a standard serial connection. <laughs> and then that ran into a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> So cool, but uh, you talked to these guys. Uh, awesome interview. They they seem they seem legit. Oh yes, and they're still working on getting other things online, like the old Commodore sixty four and such. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I love the Commodore. My brother actually uh, bought his at a garage sale. It was broken. He fixed it, and then he played on it. You know, back in the day, stuff like that, you know, people could fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you knew what was going on, you could just, you know, like, deet, 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 deet. So, definitely, it's, like, huge, just a huge change. Well, granted, back then, all the components you can find at your local radio shack. <laughs> but 
that's what I'm saying. I mean, back in the day, everything you could fix with your hands. Everything, I don't know, just nowadays, everything is like these graphic cards. And I mean, yeah, the games are better. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not gonna <laughs> knock it. But it's definitely, you know, interesting when you hear stories of people buying old systems, taking it home, fixing it, and then it playing like new. That was the thing back then. The components were easier to come across. Yes. And you didn't need a PhD in engineering to figure it out. Exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but to our last interview, the creme de la creme, okay? This is like our first celebrity interview. So, you know, drum roll for us. We got Warren Davis, the game developer of Qbert, and John Newcomer, the game developer of Joust. We got them in an interview from John. <laughs> I was squeeing with joy. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. These guys are super sweet, super cool, super chill. I love them, love their vibe. Uh, but you know what? Let's let's hear that interview. This is John with Rageners. I'm joined here with John Newcomer, the lead designer of Joust, and Warren Davis, of designer and programmer of Qbert. I uh, just have a quick question for both of you. What was your inspiration for each of your respective games? Well, for for Joust, it was the understanding that a lot of people wish they could fly. All right, and what was uh, your inspiration for Qbert? Inspiration was not so lofty uh, as John's. Uh, I uh, had. Basically, my job was to make a video game, and I had never done that before. And so I really just was trying to teach myself some techniques. So uh, when I when I first spotted the, uh, the Escher pattern of cubes, I imagined it as a pyramid, and I thought if a ball fell on a pyramid, it would have one of two ways to bounce, and that that's a binary choice. And I realized that just by programming balls to bounce down the pyramid, I would teach myself how to program randomness and gravity. And that's all I set out to do. So my inspiration was just to to sort of do a little programming exercise to teach myself some techniques and it just evolved into a game. Okay, that is awesome. Now for the wonderful question, because there's always going to be this question. Are there any glitches that were done in development that were left in the game and kind of as Easter eggs in each of your games? Um, Yeah, there there was... In, in Joust, it was that we had a hard time getting birds to, to land on some of the ledges, and there were situations that we just couldn't fix. So instead of calling it a bug, we called it a feature. <laughs> and we let the, the ostrich bounce on its stomach, which is really its flying frame, and it would bounce across the ledge wrap over on the other side the bug was that it got stuck and I said well forget that I'm just going to widen I'm going to widen the hole so it'll get sucked through and now and now it's a feature <laughs> but <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't supposed to do that we just took advantage of it okay lemonade, lemonade from lemons whatever works that's actually what I did I know about <laughs> Thing that was interesting that was left behind in Qbert or any Easter eggs per se? Uh, I would say for Qbert, there were no bugs or glitches ever. It was perfect from day one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I, honestly, I think there was a bug uh, I was informed of under a very rare condition when you walk, when you hop down into one of the lower corners. 
but I don't. Re- I mean, I, I don't think it it lasted. I mean, either it got fixed or or it was just so rare that it hardly ever happens. Uh, there are no Easter eggs, though. I wish it was my first game. I was just happy to make a game. I didn't even think of putting an Easter egg in there. Uh, I wish I had. <laughs> Any tips on how to get past the first few levels of each of your games? There, there are operator switches that make the game easier, and I would say set them on as you know, set it so you get free lives or extra lives as easiest as possible. That would be my tip. Mine is uh, be patient, let the birds come to you, or if they have settled down on the middle carefully fly up between them and hover because the early birds don't set out to try to seek you out and kill you like the like the others do so you just let them go in a straight line and pick them off okay there we go little tips and tricks for our listeners all the questions i got so thank you for for the interview and hope to see you again at another convention okay but yeah john john asked really good questions they were out of the box it was so funny i remember when john started laughing when he talked about uh the bird or the fly was it uh no it was why an ostrich i think i asked him i don't remember i don't think i asked him in the interview but i asked him afterwards mm-hmm. but it was just kind of that's what he went with, like a flightless giant bird. <laughs> he said, we asked about glitches. We asked if there was glitches that were left in the game, um, almost like an Easter egg or just because they couldn't fix it. And John said that they couldn't get the fly to land correctly. So they put in. Yeah, they made the pixel spacing a little bit bigger so the character would just yes, through it. Exactly. <laughs> so super, super awesome. Um, while we were there. We got some stuff for our listeners, though. Oh, we did. Yes, we did. Another first for Raging Nerds. We have some stuff to give away for free. You heard me right. For free. We have a Qbert 8-bit art. It's from Pixley to Princess that is signed by Warren Davis. We also have a Joust print and a Lisa Waikie original, and that is signed by John Newcomer as well. Oh, yes, and they both love signing anything from yes. their, their creations. So, uh, again, this is free for you. We're going to pay the shipping. Uh, We're going to send it to you. Again, you have to live in the United States. Sorry, I'm not paying the international shipping costs for you guys. (laughs) But in order to enter this raffle, you are going to have to do some work for it, okay? Our secret word is vintage games, okay? So what you do is you email us, you message us, Facebook, Gmail, everything you email us that word vintage games okay now you can contact me at thirsty at ragingnerdspod.com you can email john at dogfinstudios at gmail.com you can contact us on facebook and twitter which is raging nerds pod okay so you have all these ways to contact us email us the vintage games password and you're entered in for that raffle and then next week on friday we're going to announce the winner Mm, it's going to be fun (laughs) everyone listen up 
for okay. real, it's gonna it's gonna be put somewhere really weird. You're gonna have to listen to the whole episode, okay? But we're gonna put up pictures later, um, after Friday, of what the gifts look like, and then we're also gonna put the information on there, but not the passwords. So you have to listen to episode 15 to get Vintage Games password, okay, guys? Leading from that, they had the game museum there. Oh, so much childhood there, right? So what I did not know, okay, is that Sega had a Sega channel. Yes. John and I talked about this. I said, what is this? And it's pretty much like Xbox Live, how you can pay for it extra each month and you get extra material. But this is like old school Sega. Like you bought this adapter and you'd pay monthly and you would get special games and whatnot. I mean, I didn't. I thought Xbox was like the first to do that. No, um, Nintendo did it in Japan, and then Sega did it over here as well in a conglomeration with Warner Cable. That is amazing. That is so cool. Yeah, there's a little adapter that plugged right into your Sega Genesis, right into the game slot, and it had a coax plug on the back of it. You just plug your cable line into it, and this is kind of the beginning of games brought to you in chapters. Yeah, see, that's so cool. That is so cool that they did this way before their time. I honestly believe that Sega would have done better if they started doing the stuff they did back then now. Like, they were just way before their time, honestly. Like, all of their stuff was just way before their time. They're innovators. It was just amazing. Oh, yeah. I know if you can get the squabbling caught up like stopped between sega japan sega of america then yeah yeah i mean we (laughs) talked about that on the other episode it's it's really difficult when you're the same company but it's like two different sectors two different parts of a brain and they're just fighting each other but the game museum was just amazing everything going back to the beginning like in the 80 1980 79 78 77 all the way up until now it's like the systems roughly stayed the same in physical <laughs> size. <laughs> they they brought it all the way up to Xbox, and I'm like, Xbox is not retro. What is this? I'm like, you're assaulting me right now with this. <laughs> they had the place, they the PS1, PSX, uh, PS2, and Xbox, the original, and so I felt I felt assaulted. I was like, this is not retro. I am not retro. <laughs> but they did have the wonderful device that Nintendo came out with that progressed my color blindness the virtual the boy. virtual game boy yes people kept coming like oh look the virtual game boy it made children colorblind <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason people don't have those in their house anymore they made y'all blind <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but they also had a retro game repair i've never seen this before okay uh you actually take in your video games and whatnot and your systems and you get it fixed up there I must have missed that booth with my running around. Yeah, I know. It's a huge booth. It's like right there in the very beginning, and it says uh, retro game repair. I was running around like a little kid in a, in a Toys R Us. So. I, I, got some, <laughs> I got some cool swag. I just want to talk about my swag that I got. So I got a SNES Nintendo cartridge holder. Um, you can put it on a flat surface. You can also hold it up on your wall. Uh, I already had two. You, I got the other two on eBay. They usually sell for about 40 50 bucks. Uh, my boyfriend found this sitting on a table full of games, and he's like, hey how much is this? And he's like, oh, I guess $15. 
I lost it. I was like, oh my God. Like he came up to me and he's like, look what I found. And I'm like, how did you find this? We walked the room. This is the second day. How did we miss this? And then afterwards, I found a Super Nintendo Z-Bag. Okay, for you who don't know what a Z-Bag is, it's pretty much like a travel case for the Super Nintendo. It's blue and red. Um, it's, it's, been so elusive to me, okay? So every time that I find it, I see all these stains, all these marks. Um, it's made out of like a windbreaker material, so it does easily stain and collect oils. Anyway, so I got a near mint Z bag for only 30 bucks. Nice. I I was like, I saw it, I saw the price tag. I tried to like, oh, this isn't that good. And he's like, well, a dude over there is selling one for more and it looks like shit. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give away the fact that I'm like losing it over excitement. Um, but yes, it was awesome. I also got a ceramic cookie jar. I got a chocobo coin bank, uh, mouse pads, some art some super cool stuff actually no i got a nintendo game the name escapes me right now but it was one one of the ones where whenever you first when you first get there's a piece of paper in that was blank Mm -hmm. and with that you had to dip it in water to get the frequencies that you needed in the game that's it yep i got that that game is hella fun because i remember you picked it up and i'm like yes get star tropics um i got draken on the super nintendo i know also i bought a lot of other stuff it was like gifts for people so it's kind of like my little christmas for everybody a couple of shirts a little perler stuff yeah, most of the most of the places weren't really named. Um, some of the games that I got was a uh, King's Knight. It is made by Square, uh, but it's for the Nintendo. I got Battle Chess. My boyfriend bought this one. He said he had so much fun playing it as a kid. And then I got Facts and Ado. I don't know how you say it, but it's Facts and Ado. And uh, there's a story behind this, right? The first time I bought a copy was over at Games Plus in Tomball. They have stickers in Games Games Plus. And so when I got home and took the sticker off, there was someone's name and permanent marker under the sticker. And with me, I'm like super weird about like I, it has to be near mint for me to buy it. So I took it back. And then we, when we saw this at the convention, I was like, great, you know, it's in perfect condition, no writing, I have to buy it. So we went, <laughs> we took it home, and while I was putting it up, the light hit it in a certain way, and I realized someone etched their name and phone number on the back of the video game. and my boyfriend's like what the fuck is it about this game and people writing their name on it uh but i mean it's not that bad like if you look at it in regular lighting you can't tell but i know it's there (laughs) what is it you just need to go and buy like a cheap ass game like a sports game or something yeah and swap the backs that's what that's what i've done for some of my uh super nintendo cartridges i bought mario go-kart for the super nintendo a mario kart yeah, Mario Kart. I bought that, and the back, I tried to clean it with some nail polish remover, and it worked well, except that it started to discolor the case <laughs> because it was taking away the, because someone wrote their name on the back, and then I went over to Game Plus, and they switched out the back for me for free, which I was like, yes, thank you. You know, there is a secret to that, to where you don't have to worry about discoloration or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Goof off. 
Yes, and that's what I heard about too. That goo off stuff, you can get it at Walmart, other retailers, and that's a that's a good idea. Or yeah. if you can find Orange Clean, that works. That stuff it smells as well. amazing. I know exactly what the fuck that is, and that shit smells amazing. What el- what other stuff did you buy? Because I know you bought a bunch of other stuff. Well, I got that picture frame that has the final scene of Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Yeah. Where. It's a beach scene. It's in Game Boy Colors. And then there's Link and Zelda sitting there on the beach watching the sunset. It was adorable. I loved effing decaf's art. That's sitting on my mantle right now as a regular picture. (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable. Uh, But from there, this convention had live music playing throughout the whole time. Uh, It was just a two-day con. Um, They had eight panels while we were there, and they had a bunch of live musicians. Now... I fangirled super hard on the last day of the convention. The last day of the convention was amazing for me. I got a Z-Bag. I got a Super Nintendo wall mount, a bunch of other cool shit. And then I see him. I see this artist, and his name is Mega Ran. I bought his vinyl record. Uh, It's called Black Materia. It's 2XLP. It's a limited edition vinyl. I bought it from the Yeti. If no one knows this, a huge fan of the Yeti. Shout out to them. They were selling his record. And I walked up to his booth and I saw the record and I flipped out. I was like, I know you. (laughs) And I yelled at him. And he's like, cool. (laughs) And I was like, no, seriously, I love your music. And he's like, oh, yeah, thanks, man. Um, Later on, I found out that he has a podcast as well. Ooh. I know. So his podcast is Matt Mania Podcast. They talk about wrestling, hip hop, and everything in between. He is also the only rapper to be licensed by Capcom, uh, like Mega Man, Street Fighter, and Resident Evil, which is amazing. Uh, he's a legit artist. Uh, he goes through people like the Yeti. Uh, he sells items by himself as well. Uh, definitely check out Mega Ran. He is legit amazing. His rap, um, there's some people that aren't that big into rap, but his rap is sublime. It's, it's, nothing too harsh for the ears it's very um melodic the the lyrics his subject it's 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 honestly if you don't like rapping i think you'll love this i saw you getting all squee over him (laughs) i did who is this guy i must know him No, because I posted I posted his uh, song a while ago on Instagram and on Snapchat. I was so excited to get the vinyl in. Um, Black Interior is a, it's his whole record was about Final Fantasy VII. It was amazing, and it's like. I can't explain it, but it's really awesome. He's a really talented artist, and I really did fangirl. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You're all dancing for joy. I am. He's a really good artist. But that is it. That is it for Classic Game Fest 2018. I can't wait to go back next year. It was it was amazing. I love staying in Austin. It is very hipstery, but I like it. <laughs> and with that, I didn't sweat at all. So that was great getting away from the humidity of Texas. It was different. Oh, Houston. It's different. It's very different going from somewhere where it's humid and hot to where it's hot and dry. So I sweat everywhere. That's just me. But it was definitely nicer. <laughs> I got there the day before you. Mm-hmm. And I'm running. I'm just like, I can't sleep. Well, screw it. I'm going to walk in, walk across the bridge, see the bets, and then just walked all around downtown. It was very interesting. Something you can't do in Houston. 
You can't. You can't walk Houston. I'd be afraid to walk with all the cars. Uh, there's there's some cars in Austin, um, but it's definitely a different kind of traffic flow than Houston. Yeah. But one thing I never could figure out, though, like in Houston, they have those bicycle racks where you can run your credit card into and you can rent a bicycle for the day for five bucks. Right. In Austin... They have battery-powered scooters. Okay, but they leave these things everywhere. I don't know what they... Like, what is that? I don't understand. What is that? Like, they leave it, and then someone else comes up and finds it. They scan it, and then they hop on it. Is it, like, solar-powered or something? No, it's battery-powered. was just like, how the hell They just leave it. Like, we were just driving around town, and we just saw, like, random scooters in random places. Yeah, it's just weird. Because you can't do that in Houston. Somebody steal that damn thing. <laughs> I know. And they're like, it's GPS tracked. And I'm like, you know people. <laughs> people know how to get GPSs off of things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, they're too trusting over in Austin. <laughs> Way too trusting. Uh, but again, this is the end of our episode. You can contact me at thirsty at ragingnerdspod.com. I am on Instagram. I am on Twitter. I am on Facebook, all at Thirsty Erica. You can also contact our podcast directly, which is on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Raging Nerds Pod. You can contact John at the wonderful Dogfin Studios at gmail.com for email, and also on Facebook and Twitter at Dogfin Studios. To stay updated on all of our podcasts, you can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on Google Play. You can listen to us on Stitcher Radio and iHeartRadio. On iHeartRadio, we are under Dogfin Radio, so search us that way. There are other facets that we play on as well, and also our website, which is RagingNerdsPod.com. But tune in, guys. Don't forget about our free giveaway, where we give you some really cool vintage game art signed by Warren Davis and John Newcomer. We'll see you guys later. And be sure to stay tuned for all the updates from LeakyCon. Bye, all. Bye. Bye.